Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Bleecker Street. Now, I like the movie Captain Fantastic quite a bit, but I'm not alone. Critics everywhere have raved about Viggo Mortensen's performance. Variety said that this was a role Viggo Mortensen may have been born to play, and the Los Angeles Times declared Viggo Mortensen gives one of the best performances of 2016. Writer-director Matt Ross created Viggo's role based on his own experiences as a parent. The Philadelphia Inquirer called it a rare movie that asks such big questions about parenting, about family, about modern-day America, and comes up with answers that are moving and meaningful. For more information, visit BleakerStreetGuilds.com. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our Editor-at-Large out in Los Angeles. And boy, this was a busy week for award season, Ann. A whole bunch of stuff. It was, it's like every day almost there was another set of awards, either things that uh, were awarded or nominations coming out, uh, all of which uh, introduced new variables to the award season conversation, although I would say just uh, anticipating the conversation that we should be having today we probably don't have the same opinion about the influence that these different awards have. But let's start with Monday, with the Gotham Awards. Now, the Gotham Awards, a whole bunch of stuff happened. We've talked before about the nominations. What do you make of how that uh, panned out? Well, I think the Gotham Awards, you know, are, if you win a Gotham Award, it's not a bad thing. You know, if, if you get a tribute, like Amy Adams did, that could be a significant boost for her, if you win like Isabelle Huppert, which was something of a surprise, um, you know, so charming for her to come up. And, you know, you could see that the Sony Pictures Classics people had sort of briefed her in advance to be prepared, you know, for this American group, this American indie group, not to give her the award. And so she was so, so delighted but, uh, and surprised. But, but um, then again, she, you know, she gets it, it, over the ne- next few days, we see Isabelle Huppert coming back up again so it's just that she's so good she is so good (laughs) and i I, we saw it in can you and i and we we all knew and and now it's all being being confirmed um you know that she's really in contention for for one of the top five slots now now the so the so the gotham's help in in that scenario the fact that they gave a tribute to ethan hawk doesn't do him (laughs) (laughs) well he had a great speech because he was saying you know he's been washed up before and he, he was washed up when he was 14 and got got a bad review in his first uh film performance and he was washed up again when people said the gen x guys were over so you know he was just kind of happy to be there it was a different kind of thing well i still you know i'm the i'm like the so i did this little exercise where i went on metacritic and i looked up all these movies and i checked out who the top you know who had the best reviews and everything and who who didn't have such good reviews you know in other words if you're in the 80s or 90s you're in really good shape if you're in the mid 70s you can get away with it in the awards of the Oscar universe to a degree. 
But if you're in the 60s, that's not so good. And Lion is in the 60s, and and uh, so is my favorite, Born to be <laughs> to be Blue. So I don't think anything's going to happen there with old uh, with our with our beloved Ethan Hawke. Even though I thought he was, I voted for him for best comedy for uh, performance for Maggie's Plan, a complete no show anywhere this week. No but, one you know, the, has the thing, mentioned it. Uh, that's true. I mean, the Gotham's are nice in the sense that I think they widen the frame a little bit, which is something I, I talked about a bit when, when the nominations came out in Best Feature. It's not like we expected Everybody Wants Some or Certain Women to be you know, major award season players, but we were able to acknowledge them in this context, which was ideal, I think. And yet, there are previous editions where the film that won Best Feature, such as splitting the award between beginners and tree of life or something like that just doesn't really mean anything except the kind of idiosyncratic process through which these things are chosen by a specific committee but this year with something like moonlight it's a it's a nice burst of momentum i mean it elevates the Absolutely, profile and that's what it is and, that's and that exactly, movie won a lot you're learning eric you're no i'm just kidding. all right so so that's what it is so so it moves on through the week and accruing a snowball effect Along with Manchester by the Sea, which took um, Nash, uh, the uh, National, National Board, Board of Review, Review. and then and then you have and Casey uh, won a Casey best winning and, and and Casey getting the, the the New York one too. So so you have you have and then and and so you have these these snowballs of momentum. If, if I'm mixing my metaphors, uh, so that they they start to accrue, you know, and Isabel's getting that too. So you, you and you know, I was happy. Uh, I was surprised by some of the omissions from the Gothams, but it doesn't matter, honestly. I mean, the Gothams help the ones who get some momentum. They really don't hurt the ones who don't. They just don't help the ones who don't. And that would be, I was surprised to see from the National Board of Review omissions of a movie like Fences, which did turn up luckily uh, at the Critics' Choice Awards, but nowhere, nowhere else. Well, for one thing, Fences has screened very late for people. And uh, the other thing about that movie is that, generally speaking, it's it's a movie that that seems to be getting the strongest response to its performances, less Correct. so you know the movie overall. So it's not it's not a complete surprise in that respect. Although it got it did it did get best picture um, on the uh, long list at the Critics' Choice, but we'll get we'll get to we'll the get to that choice. one. I do. So the other thing about Moonlight though is so it won four prizes and and it won four big prizes. It, Barry Jenkins just kept coming to the stage. I mean, th- it was it was kind of this. It wasn't just a nice boost for this movie. It felt like the maximum boost possible. But you were in the room where it happened, as it were, and very few people watched that show. I mean, some people were complaining about Casey Affleck having a really lousy acceptance speech. Somebody needs it's to no just one spike his it. coffee <laughs> no or something. No one watched it, so <laughs> it's okay. Well, but I mean, there is something to be said for that, right? Because if in some ways these earlier awards are kind of a dry run for the campaigning to come, it does tell you that maybe Casey Affleck needs to be a little bit more exuberant if he's going to win over all these Academy people that he has to get in front of on some level. I mean, that does well, matter. Well, they've right? already made the point that he's a serious actor and everybody gets what he is and who he is and he's going to talk seriously about his film. I have to say, when I sat down with him, and that interview will go up eventually, um, he was lovely and funny. He and, a, he's a funny you know, guy, but he's a unique he's kind of funny. capable of giving a nice, intelligent 
conversation. He's a low key it's guy. just that he's not good at shilling. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. No. Somebody well, should definitely work on his. Well, especially uh, if, if the potential. Skills. I mean, the potential spoilers, as we alluded to earlier, would be Denzel Washington Fences, who knows this stuff inside out, has been down this route many times before and, and won. So that's the advantage know. of a real movie star like that. That's what the, the advantage that someone like Ben Affleck had the year of Argo, the most engagingly charming work the room person you've ever met. <laughs> yeah, ben exactly. Affleck. Night and day. It's kind you of know? a hilarious contrast. So the Gotham's happened, and then the next morning uh, we got the NBR awards, uh, which. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think they have much impact? <laughs> I think so. You know, people love to beat up on the NBR. And um, it's a fascinating institution because it, it has been around a really long time, and I've used that argument to sort of support why I think, say, the New York Film Critics Circle is, is a respectable organization, that with time, this, this institution accrues a certain amount of respectability, but with MBR, what's, what's complicated there is that it's hard to assess exactly what its, what its original purpose was versus what, it, what it's functioning as right now and who's actually driving the ship. Who makes these determinations? Who are all these people? I mean, you have this kind of hodgepodge of, you know, distributors and programmers and academics and students, you know, like young filmmakers, yeah. critics just, who we do have a we know one critic who's a, who's a voting member, but he started as a student. Exactly, and, 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 and he happens to, to be of, a working critic. Exactly, so so it's it's a, it's a, it's murky in a sense, and and also according to some reports, subject to a lot of manipulation. So. It's hard to, to look at that. When you say subject to a lot of manipulation, are you saying more than the Golden Globes? More, more than seems, now the New York I film critics say, are not subject. You know, real film critics, hopefully, are functioning objectively outside of this sort of swag. Well, uh, objectivity you know, is a myth. Nobody's totally blind to that stuff. But I would say that it's they're they're more individualistic in some ways, not not driven by potential conflicting agendas and I think the NBR has conflicting agendas and is more vulnerable to outside influence. I know that they're very very subject to the to the uh, sweet lures of of various they do do have the people come to the screen exactly so you have Sony and Weinstein over the years with a lot of influence in that world because it's based in New York so it's very New York centric in some ways. Absolutely. The uh, the uh, MBR. They don't have a lot of credibility. They don't have a lot of prestige. But what they do is the same thing as the Gotham's, which is to push certain films forward. So it was good for Manchester, you know, to have that continue. And then and then much more, much much more prestige uh, attached to the New York uh, film critics. But they are not that. Predictive. For example, last year with Carol, the best picture, and, and which ended up getting, and they, I think they gave four awards to Carol. They ended up, Carol ended up getting six nominations. So there was some overlap, but it it, it won nothing. And if you look at the winners of the New York Film Critics over the years, they include. A lot of also-rans like Boyhood, American Hustle, Zero Dark Thirty, and The Social Network, and only the artist in recent memory has been the same as the Best Picture right, winner, all of just those in terms of their were, predictability. Yeah, well, but all of those movies, I believe all of those movies were nominated for Best major Picture. Major contenders. They were major contenders, and, and the, this is a very specific kind of voting process, so 
you can, you can it's assume. It's a very small it, number of people next to a much bigger number. Sure, but I mean, what I'm getting at is I just think the fact that these movies win means that they're major contenders, and there are so many different kinds of variables that can lead to an actual win that the fact that these movies won and were major contenders means that they are predictive up to a point. It's just a question of, you know, is there something that could spoil these things? So this year, something like La La Land, I mean, it's not like La La Land isn't a major contender for Best Picture, to look at something like that and say, well, you know, New York Film Critics Circle doesn't usually predict Best Picture winners. That's what somebody was it. saying online, I mean, which is, of course, silly. That's very, very I mean, this silly. just says that this it's movie more has likely, momentum. I would argue with you that, it, that the fact that La La Land, here's where I was going, where La La Land is strong is not only that it won, your your group, which which didn't which actually gave three to Moonlight and three to Manchester by the Sea and no other awards to La La Land except the Best Picture, which I found very interesting because you guys decided it needed to get something, right? Well, let's, let's be clear about get. the. I, I mean, I you know the I, I can't go into too many details, but the this is a very specific process. People are in a room and they vote. It's not a. It's not a then sort of. Then they vote group. and they vote and they vote. Yeah, but it's not a group. It's not. It's not like say the. Until the numbers the, come out. But the contrast with the Gotham's is notable, right? Because the Gotham's is a, is actually a committee of people who have a conversation to make a decision together about who they're going to award. That is not something that would happen here. I mean, I would say I'm I'm surprised this that is La La by Land the won. numbers. Yeah, I was surprised when American Hustle won Best Picture and not Twelve Years a Slave. I mean, it, there there are things that can happen here that are subject to. Think to just the, the kind it's of win. It's only wins. 37 people. Yeah, and who's in the room. I just, you, I don't know exactly what happened here. I'm sort of surprised. I mean, it's been a weird year for voting. Was there someone who was advocating for La La Land? I can't talk about that. But I will Ooh. say that La La Land is a movie that has had plenty of advocates. I mean, it wasn't at, say, New York Film Festival, but it did Telluride and Venice and Toronto. And, it, and like The Artist, it's a movie that celebrates old Hollywood. And, and it's also... It's got a sort of cinephile cachet, even if it not all cinephiles adore this movie. As you know, I'm not the biggest fan. I don't hate it. And I think there's something to be said for a movie that does not seem to be really like widely hated, even if some people like it a lot and some people are just okay with it. I would put myself in that second group. That's where, where you reach a consensus. So La La Land, um, while not as critically hailed, uh, it's very well reviewed, though. It's not as critically hailed as Moonlight and Manchester by the Sea. This is the, the Metacritic thing I was talking about before. Moonlight is at 99, Manchester by the Sea not far behind, and, and you know, and, and La La Land in there as well. These are the three Oscar frontrunners now, after, after all these groups have Full voted. And, it's not and, that and, surprising. It, this is what we decided to tell you, right? It's nothing new. It, it is what we thought would happen. But what has, what does happen with La La Land is that when you get to the Critics' Choice Awards, um, which is 250 people who are TV, radio, and online critics, including both of us, and you're filling out all the different categories, many of which have very little to do with any any Oscars, you know, things like action. But, you know, it gives you a sense of what the tech categories might be like. But, you know, it goes through all the categories. So you can see the depth that a movie like La La Land will have in the Oscar race because, you know, two song nominations, you know, all the techs, all the, you know, as well as the two top actors, you know, it it, 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 gets, it gets an advantage in that way, even if it's only 30 
$1 million budget, this movie is a big scale movie compared to uh, a, a lot of the others. And Arrival did well with the Critics' Choice as well. And, and so did Moonlight and Manchester by the Sea. They're still strong. And Fences showed up. And, and uh, surprisingly, Hacksaw Ridge, which uh, isn't likely to repeat at the well, Academy, okay, so the but it gives a, it a chance to get some tech nods, I would say. Guys, take Andrew a step back, I mean, that's who votes on the Critics' Choice? It's a, it's a kind of hodgepodge in, in a different way than the NBR, right? I but mean, they're very predictive. That's the weird thing about them. They Of all the groups, uh, until you get to the guilds, which are the most predictive, the Critics' Choice historically has been... Mo I just went over all of them, so just to bore you a little bit, they picked Spotlight. They did not pick Boyhood. They picked 12... I mean, they picked Boyhood, which was not the winner, as did... They're the same as the New York Film Critics on that one. And 12 years they went with. Argo they went with. And then, like the New York Film Critics, they went with The Social Network. Um, so these are clearly the movies that were vying against each other at the end of the day for the Oscar. And then on um, actors, they, they picked Larson. They picked Julianne Moore. They picked Kate Blanchett. They went with Jessica Chastain, which was not the winner for Zero Dark Thirty. And um, they, for some reason, they had Viola Davis as Best Actress for, for Doubt uh, or The Help. One or, I think it must have been The Help. And then Portman for Black Swan, going back a long ways. And then you have actor. They picked DiCaprio. They picked Keaton for, for uh, Birdman, which he didn't win. And then uh, McConaughey, which he did win, and then Daniel Day Lewis, which he did win. So, so it's and they picked Firth, you know. So, so they're very predictive, actually, um, for whatever reason, because there are more of them. And uh, here's why. Here's the reason why they reflect uh, the mainstream part of the Academy that I was talking about. And per our discussion last week, Jackie. Yeah, well, that's something we should get into because. I still feel like a lot of people like are, are supportive of this movie. It screens really well. To me, it seems more like, well, maybe this is a movie that could get a bunch of nominations and then pull a boyhood where it wins. It did get one. costumes. It did get costumes. And it got production design from the critics' choice. But it what I mean, it seems like the director. kind of thing people will want to know. And it got hair for. and makeup, yeah, so it, it did. It did get some tech nods. I mean, but but in terms of from that's what it'll get with the Oscars too. I mean, this is, if if Searchlight is pushing this movie the way that it seems like they are, then you would think that even if it's not winning in in these sections, you know, and it didn't get a ton of Gotham nominations either, it could still get more of an appreciation for a broader set of. Uh, categories, the, the, the screenplay, the, you know, not just uh, performance, but, but also director and, and, and pictures, a wide open field in that case because of so many different slots. I mean, this is a movie that is still in the conversation. It's just it maybe a harder sell. didn't get any screenplays. By the way, I, I loved seeing at the Critics' Choice that um, Lobster got a screenplay nomination. I mean, I expected Nichols and Sheridan and Mackenzie, uh, I mean, and um, who are the other ones who, I've, I've got this stupid list, uh, Chazelle and, and Jenkins. I expected Leonard Lonergan, you know? I didn't expect The Lobster, so that was great. Well, I mean, The Lobster is a movie that a lot of, that people really uh, respect, and, and it's just, it's, it's a strange one, and it hasn't been brought back into the conversation 
but it's got strong advocates, so it makes sense that it would sort of randomly resurface in a category like that, but I think based on everything that we're saying here, that's, that, that, yeah. that, that'll be its big moment for now, anyway. I mean, I think yeah. Colin Farrell would have been a great person for A24 to campaign for, too, but, uh, you know, they, they got other things He did plate. a few things. I'm, 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 uh, I'm realizing I should, have, I should have put him out there I, uh, earlier than I did. Um, uh, adapted screenplay, Tom Ford got in there. Um, That's going to be about it for Nocturnal. I know. Da- Luke Davies, Eric Heiser, who I think is the front runner for Arrival, uh, Todd Kumernicki for Sully, which shows some. Sully! Sully isn't doing quite as well as I thought it might do. Well, there's another one. It's not quite the American Sniper slot. It's It's not as. Quite it's as in the energizing. best picture list, though. It made the less best picture but list. But it, but it hasn't energized. Uh, kind and Tom of, Hanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, people like Tommy. He's in the conversation to the extent that he could get a nomination. And this is what kind of like what I was saying about Jackie. It's like people like this thing, but there's just a lot of other things that are getting more, you know, kind of momentum at the moment. And and that leads me to something that has zero momentum now. And I think it is worth acknowledging what happened Which over one? the weekend. Well, what happened over the weekend with uh, Warren Beatty's film Rules Don't Apply. Which, oh, you know, it's we, dead in the water. I mean, it's but you know that uh, that's we, on the level of the Ang Lee um, failure, but they at least put um, rules don't apply into two thousand theaters, whereas Ang Lee is never going to get to that. I mean, that level. may have been a mistake, given how how poorly it performed. I mean, no, was, uh, they they had no, they could never have gone platform with it because the reviews weren't good enough. It's the same thing as Allied. Allied went out in 3,000 theaters. Why did they do that? Allied, I loved Allied. I thought it was a lovely movie, beautifully made, beautifully directed, you know, incredibly well done, but not a, not a, not a contender except for costumes or something um, because the reviews aren't good enough. So, so there's no, there's, they, they couldn't do the, the platform thing, the full Oscar push without, without reviews. And I'm going to, I'm going to predict going you know, as we as as we look ahead, that some of these late breaking movies that are going pretty wide are in this, you know, or just a qualifying run with a wide release in January, are are not going to get the great reviews either. And I that, love and it. That, I love it. I love it when you talk yourself into saying critics are super influential in award season. It's exactly. It, but they. <laughs> I mean, it's and also with New York Film Critics Circle. You that need sort that of, support to get through those cities right. in theaters. And there's a lot more to come. I mean. The, not everybody realizes until they start paying attention to this just how many critics groups there are, and it's not like they all have the same influence, but it starts to become sort of this regular thing, and so a certain movie no, will probably reports, win a lot. And then yeah. there's Chicago, and then there's LA, you know, Phoenix, and, yeah. <laughs> Boston, and San Florida. Francisco. And, yeah. So, but I, I would say the 10 best lists are a whole other set of influencers, uh, you know, as, as we move forward, and then we get the you know the Golden Globe nominations, and and uh, and then we hit start hitting the guilds. But but this is this gives us a sense. Um, I mean, I would say of the best picture contenders on the Critics Choice list. I mean, basically, I, I'm feeling pretty good. It's clear. It's they're all pretty close to to what I was what I've already been predicting, with very few exceptions. And I will note that some of these categories have six instead of five. Um, 
so that you you don't know which of the six are going to what which one of the six is going to be left out of best actress or supporting actor or or best actress or whatever but arrival is strong um Fences is strong. Hacksaw Ridge will get a few things. Hell or High Water looks good. La La Land, Lion, Loving, Manchester, Moonlight, Sully. I mean, these are the movies that are that are vying for for Oscars. Of course, one movie we haven't talked about and can't go into too much detail about yet is the Scorsese film Silence, but it has screened. It's screened for NBR. It's screened for New York Film Critics Circle. You and, could have done something with it, and well, you didn't. I, I think and. For whatever reason, I don't. I mean, it's such a strange media landscape right now. There were they they lifted the social media embargo, but the reviews and you wrote something nice on yeah, Twitter, and 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 you can look that up. And I don't know what the podcast embargo is, but clearly, you can tell from these things that so far there is not something enough did consensus. not happen. Yeah, it's not. I mean, if you look at the social media reactions to the movie, people like this movie, and obviously. Scorsese is somebody that everybody has tremendous respect for, and it's also another movie that involves Crisis of Faith with Andrew Garfield, so you can kind of find some connective tissue there. There are things that that this movie could have reverberations for a couple of different characters, and it could get some support from the Academy once it screens for them, but but it is not a heavy hitter the way that, say, Wolf of Wall Street surprised people. I think it was much better than a lot of people expected it to be. It's not that it won a ton, but it did get a lot of nominations. And it was very successful, and a lot of people liked it. I mean, all across the board, it didn't it didn't win New York Film Critics Circle, but a lot of critics got behind that movie just in their reviews and so forth. So this is that that's clearly one that we've been anticipating for a while that uh, that, that is not going to to change the game. And uh, there's not really much left. I mean, we haven't the the reviews haven't come out yet for Hidden Figures, but as we've talked about before, that's another kind of sweet crowd pleasing type of movie that. Could have some soft momentum, but it's not not so, again not something that's going to change the game. It's not being helped by the critics, as yeah. I as exactly. I predicted, and exactly. and uh, I think that will still be a factor. And then uh, you have popular, Rogue One, an which entry. Rogue One, which like like Star Wars, the Star Wars movie last year, did, uh, is not screening for critics in time for their voting. Um, although it probably will know soon enough as this movie starts to have some kind of screenings going on, you know, exactly what people think about it. Some excerpts have shown to people. It seems like the kind of thing that is, it, I mean, it's, it's technical awards or bust. I mean, it'd be, it'd be I'm not thinking about that at all, really. Yeah, I mean, I look forward it. to seeing it's it. It's just sort of the I'm last excited piece. excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the animation races, basically Zootopia is doing really well. If you look at the doc races, OJ Made in America still leading everything. Um, And and probably the most interesting conversation of award season in some ways because it's just, I mean, as you can see in the. Uh, statement that David Edelstein, yeah, the chairman. I, saw that. You know, I had a long Twitter argument with Mark Harris. Yeah, about, well, Mark about Harris this. went on. It was tweeting as moments after this award was announced about how the, the, this was a TV series, not a movie. And our statement tells you that there was a conversation in the room that somebody flagged this particular issue. There was a conversation about it. The conversation was not, "Is this a good 
work or not, but is should we be considering this as a movie? And that and this this is a conversation that's there's no specific resolution to it except that people are deciding that it's a movie and it doesn't seem like the Academy's gonna challenge that and it doesn't seem like Academy members have a problem with that either because we just live in an era where this is less confusing and it, to me this isn't even a conversation that needs to be happening, but I'm fascinated by I the think fact you that you and I have so moved on about. from this conversation. I know. In fact, because we're at IndieWire perhaps or whatever, we, we recognize that there's this video content. It's just the way of the is, world is all over the place that the documentary world especially is financed by TV. They, you know, the Oscar thing is just a question of getting a qualifying theatrical run. They, if they didn't have to do that, they wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's just, but it's not you know, tokenism. Amy is I a mean, very rare exception to the rule where that was a real theatrical movie that was not they, financed basically, by TV. Basically, with, with OJ, I mean, yes, it's a campaign, but they eventized the opportunity to see this movie as a, as as a movie, which is the way the filmmaker has been talking about it. You do have to respect that the director of the movie is calling this thing a movie, so that's that's the way that it's. I being guess treated. what Mark was trying to say is is that is that all he has to do? You know, I just I just I it's just, a, it's a he step. Was, he was also worried. He was worried that there was some kind of you know. TV ghetto, and that and that he wanted to be taken more seriously as 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 a quote unquote filmmaker. Um, I mean, I if if he had if he had released that movie in one hour episodes, then I would have thought more about it being a TV series. But he didn't, and and it wasn't done that way. So well, the, it is episodic, but it, but is, it was it isn't first really. Thing. It's five parts out of eight hours. Well, but it, each lengths. episode ends with. But it's credits. not. I mean, it's not a one hour episode. It's not like he's making forty five minutes with ads. And and before know? it brought was broadcast, it was it organically it screened made at into different lengths. It, I mean, yeah, I mean it. The, it was initially presented also as a movie. So I don't think uh, we should penalize, uh, you mean at Sundance, I yeah. don't think we should penalize this as, uh, although where it showed in the Sundance program was not among the, the documentaries. It was in a, in a multi-platform program. That's true. That's true. They, yeah. they acknowledge that there was something different going on here. But hey, look, I mean, since, since but, is all but about some, you know, Mark then asked if it was any different from making a, a murderer. And I and I kind of went, uh, well, that was an organic decision by the people at Netflix that this was the form that it should take. And and that's how they it was being sold as a movie and they couldn't get arrested. It couldn't get anywhere as a movie. And so Netflix figured out that you could take this extraordinary reporting and content and make it into a, a different kind of, of, of tv But see, I don't think that's the right response to what Mark is saying. To me, here's what, here's what I would say is to, to, the, to the complaint that anything that seems like TV is what the hell do you care? It's all about the, uh, this kind of poorest sense of context. That's what I said. You, know, That's you put exactly wherever what you I put said. something. If you look at the whole argument, is. you'll see that I also made it, that. If, if I were, if, if if HBO decided to turn Westworld into this epic movie experience in a Why theater, not? then that would be the decision to to put it into that facet of culture is something that. We should be open to. We should be, and and that's, that's essentially what's, what's going to happen Netflix. anyway. They don't play by any of those rules. Yeah. They don't need to. They don't and, need to say there's a bucket of TV. Over in some here ways, Netflix it gets out of it both. Yeah, I mean it, that that's what's great about Netflix. It doesn't even mean also, anything to the, them. The only thing that, that that ticks me off about all this stuff is that be, be, that even though Netflix could, you know, change the paradigm and has been changing the paradigm of how we re relate to TV and movies. 
they aren't necessarily helping movies gain the attention they need. The narratives, like this movie Barry on Barack Obama opening a couple of weeks, they, these 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 films are not getting that kind of attention. So I I would say you know kudos to ESPN for doing what they're doing with OJ because other people should be paying attention and maybe we'll see more uh, examples of this going forward as a result of this movie's success. You know, in the, as a movie, I mean it, it, that should be happening more. And maybe maybe Netflix could learn something from that. So you know, the, there is value in experimenting with how you present these things to people and just seeing how different parts of the industry react to them. So, um, so you know, to be continued. But it's nice to see that OJ is a front runner, even if hey, I, I'm still holding uh, out hope that Wiener is uh, a front runner oh, in the category. Oh yeah, Wiener's not doing too well. I can tell that that nobody wants to talk about it the. Doesn't this... have enough gravitas, Look, even if it had an impact. On I don't think it's just that. It's like. Who wants no, I to think even that's talk about is. that? I mean, it's 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 the the goofball who ruined our democracy. Maybe know? they're punishing him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's possible. It's like they're punishing the movie because they can't punish the guy. He's already you know riding a horse in sex rehab or something like that. By the so. way, the other news of the week was basically the first round of announcements for the Sundance Film Festival in January, and uh, we got the competition titles and uh what made me think of it is that the election was something we talked about with the programmers john cooper and, and trevor groth and it was interesting to me the way they sort of said yeah we picked most of our movies before the election we were upset by the election but we believe profoundly in the power of these filmmakers to tell their stories and have an impact on the world around them and i thought that was lovely yeah, I mean, it's also kind of a workaround because obviously they were influenced. We were all influenced by that friggin' election, and I'm sure that at Sundance this year, it's going to be a big part of the narrative surrounding not only the movies themselves, but the way that filmmakers talk about their responsibility to the world, the way that different stories are perceived as reflecting, you know, modern age anxieties and all those kinds of things. So to be continued on that front next week, when we get together, we'll have even more Sundance stuff to dig into. There'll be a few more announcements to come. We'll get the premiere titles. The premieres, the, the, the crazy stuff in Midnight that I get to argue with you about all year round. It's, I'm always excited about that. And then La La Land's going to finally open and more oh, announcements. Oh, speaking of La La Land, I watched it again last night um, at my class. And now you love it. Of course it played. <laughs> I've always loved it, Eric. I just haven't been 100% committed to the idea that it was going to be the winner the big, of the, the Best Picture Oscar. Right. Right. That is the only reservation that I have had about La La Land. In, in, and it's obviously playing really well uh, to the Academy as well as to um, general audiences. Well, I have and other reservations about La La Land, and it seems like other people do too. So there, it, 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 it's... it's well, it did. It, it, honestly, Eric, the fact that the New York Film Critics gave it Best Picture is pretty, ins you know, really sort of did surprise me. Yeah. Well, you and me both. I, I can't. I can't say that I, I made that determination on my own. I'm not 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 running the show there. Just casting a ballot like like a good citizen. So, uh, in any case, we've we've got much more to anticipate on that front with the, with the other critics groups around the corner. So we'll see how this conversation continues to evolve. And okay. Then, uh, see you see later. You soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.